What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the Flying Brian J UFC Fight Night 105 post fight show. I am by myself today, so if you don't like me, well, then you probably aren't going to stick around too long. But for those of you who do, thank you so very much. So, we're going to talk about just the fights overall in general. You know, I'm going to grade the entire fight card, I'm going to talk about little bits and pieces of the entire fight card. Starting at the top with Derek Lewis knocking out Travis Brown at three third at three twelve of round number two with some vicious vicious ground and pound, and then I'll get into my <clears throat> excuse me WTF of the card, and then we'll talk about the rest of the event. So straight away we already talked about it. Derek Lewis knocked out Travis Brown at three twelve. I'm pretty sure it's three twelve. Let me just look it up. 312 of round number two. Yep, got it right. Look at me go. There are a lot, there's a lot to talk about in this fight alone. One is that in every single Derek Lewis fight, you can talk about it like this. Derek Lewis is not a better striker than his opponent. He's not more well-rounded. He's not just a better overarching martial artist than his opponents, like ever. But the thing of it is, he hits like a fucking truck. And if he lands on you just one time, Tied of the fight turns like that on a dime, and that's what happened here. First round, Travis Brown was like I thought he would. I picked Travis Brown, so you can laugh at me all you want for picking Travis Brown and getting it wrong, but he was winning the fight technically. I said in my pre-fight breakdown that Travis Brown was going to use the lengthier striking techniques, would be able to hit tra- hit Derek Lewis and move around the octagon, and that's exactly what happened for the first at least, like what? six minutes of the damn fight that's what happened travis brown was hitting Derek lewis with a front kick to the body over and over and over again leg kicks inside outside what have you all of them Derek lewis doesn't check a single goddamn leg kick and he seemed to be super hurt early with those front kicks to the body but then all of a sudden round number two comes out and we talked about this in the pre-fight breakdown as well that travis brown he doesn't have very good fight iq and he has a terrible camp and he's going to come out there with like no overarching plan for the fight and he's not going to use very good fight iq so what happened travis brown was hitting Derek lewis with those kicks to the body the kicks to the legs and he wasn't throwing hands much because he was trying to keep it range then he threw a high kick that missed lewis and lewis was able to counter with what do you know a enormous punch to travis brown's dome piece that changed the tail of the fight right there travis lost his fight iq went high with it the Black Beast countered, and then Travis was getting teed off on a whole bunch. And Travis told Mario Yamasaki, I'm okay, I'm okay. But then he ate like 25 more huge shots to the dome piece after saying he was okay. Then Travis got all wobbly, baby deer leg, went to the ground, and the Black Beast was raining down some ground pound. I think the first one that landed actually knocked Travis out. But there's Yamasaki just looking at it like, mm-hmm, yep. Here, this is happening. This is happening. And Travis Brown is completely unconscious. And yet, he Yamasaki allows Derek Lewis to land, I think it was like three more huge punches to Travis Brown's dome piece. What the fuck? So, overarching from that fight in general, we, we don't know anything new about Derek Lewis. We don't really know anything new about Travis Brown. We don't know anything new about Mario Yamasaki because that's his... M.O. But we did get some phenomenal, phenomenal quotes out of Derek Lewis in his post-fight interview. The first one being after Brian Stan, I don't, I forget what Brian Stan even asked Derek Lewis. He's like, "Hey man, so you just knocked out Travis Brown? 
Tell me something about it. And Derek Lewis is like, yeah, man, he puts his hands on women. He doesn't respect women. He likes to punch them. And I'm like, no, what's he say? He said, "Where? I fucking got to look this up. Where's Ronda Rousey's fine ass at? Like, holy shit, that was hilarious. Second quote was, there's, there's three. Second was, Brian Stan asked him, he said, hey, so you were pretty visibly hurt to the body there. Can you tell us how badly you were hurt and, you know, how you were able to come back from that? And he's like, man, I wasn't hurt. I just had to take a number two. I wasn't hurt. I just had a little boo-boo or whatever. Like, that was some funny shit. Then, Derek Lewis said that he needs to take some time off. He needs – he doesn't want the UFC or Dana White to call him for at least three months. doesn't want to hear about fighting for at least three months. And so, Brian Sam was like, do you feel like you've been overtrained? Do you feel like you've been overworked a little bit? And he said, yeah, man, all this training, all the sex I've been getting, I'm just a little tired. Like, fucking shit. Derek Lewis, quite a comedian in the most melancholy of ways. Um, he's – He's a, he's a joy to watch perform violence or inflict violence on other men in the octagon. And he's a joy to listen to in his melancholy, somber post-fight interviews. What's up, Sayed Umer? Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you all so much for hanging out. If you're here right now um, and you don't hate the video, please give it a thumbs up. I usually crack a cold one at the very beginning of my video. You can see that this beer doesn't have... If you're listening to the podcast version of this, I'm, I have a bottle here. There is no label on it. It's because it's a home-brewed wheat beer. That's why that on the cap here I'm showing it looks like a three. It's actually a W. It's a wheat beer, 75% wheat beer, home-brewed. I'm going to put it in my Teku here. And then I'm going to get into my WTF of the card, and then we'll talk about the rest of it. So um, this beer, if you're interested in it, I haven't named it. I was going to name it something German because I went for a German style of wheat beer. And um, I went for a really low bitterness. So it's a super sweet beer. It's got taste, kind of smells like bread, but I used a yeast that made it a little bit sour. So it's a pretty interesting and pretty fun beer. Pavy P, what up? Cheers. Thanks for hanging out, Pavy. Weezing336, three, 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 unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, Derek Lewis is unintentionally hilarious. I got to take this drink quick. Okay, so my WTF of the card. Um, this is the second week in a row that I'm giving it to the commission that was in charge of this fight night. So my, my voice is cracked a little bit. It's like I'm going through puberty again. But the, I'm giving it to the commission because that incorporates the referees and the judges. Mostly I'm giving it to the referees because in Carla Esparza versus Ronda Marcos, Ronda like, put her fingers out John Jones style the entire fucking fight. The referee, Keith Peterson, warned her twice. She just kept doing it. Didn't t didn't take a point. Didn't warn her a third time. Nothing like that. That was awful. Second thing, Carlos Sparza kept going for takedowns, and Ronda Marcos would get her in like an upside-down crucifix mount. So she had her back, but she had her crucifix mounted, and then was hitting the back of Carlos Sparza's head. I think that Ronda probably landed, I want to say 30, 35. Like, not exaggeration. Not an exaggeration. Hammerfish strikes at the back of Carlos Esparza's head. Referee didn't say shit. Then, third round, I think it was, Carlos Esparza blatantly need Ronda Marcos to the dome piece while Randa had a knee down, so she was a downed opponent. Referee did not say shit. All of that happened. Referee did not take a point. Then, of course, we already talked about Derek Lewis, Traps Brown, in the flub up that Mario Yamasaki, I think that he was only going to call the fight off if Derek Lewis 
killed Travis Brown. I saw a lot of people saying that maybe the reason why Yamasaki waited a little longer because Travis Brown told him that he was okay like a little bit ago. But when Travis Brown said that he was okay, and and then when Travis Brown actually got knocked out, the time between that was probably like, again, literally 15 of Derek Lewis's right hands landing on Travis Brown's dome piece. Like, that is a long time. That is a lot that can happen in between that time frame. It's like if somebody, you know, they bring over some good good to your house and, you, and you're, like, you're like, are you good, man? Like, yeah, I'm good. I took one of those. And then, like, you take 26 more and then they ask you if you're good. Like, oh, you said you were just good, man. Like, I took 26 more. You're good, good, bro. I can't – you can't expect me to be actually fine after that, can you? A lot happened in that time frame. Horrible, horrible stoppage. And continuing with my WTF of the card, the judging. I know we are in Canada, but there was some questionable shit happening. I thought that Carlos Barza beat Random Marcos. And and it's not necessarily a robbery because, like, the right fighter won. But Elias Theodoro got a 30-27 against Cesar Fajaya. When Cesar, I think – you know, pretty convincingly won the first round, but then Elias turned it up. Also, Johnny Hendricks, Hector Lombard. Johnny got two 30-27s, but I thought Hector won that first round. Just a lot of questionable judging tonight. And and the Johnny Hendricks, Hector Lombard thing, that's different. But with Elias and Randa, I feel like it, they are really, really pro-Canada. And, you know, that's going to happen when you go places. And a friend of mine, Daniel Levy from Best Fight Picks, he's always talking about how you have to play to the, like, the local judges if you're going to be making bets or whatever. But that shouldn't be a thing that happens. It's, it's annoying. What's next for Derek Lewis and what's next for Travis Brown? I honestly think that what's next for Travis Brown should be maybe one more fight with like a, a young up-and-coming fighter. Maybe you give him somebody like Curtis Razor Blades, you know, get Razor Blades over a little more, and then you send him on to Bellator. Other, if, if Travis Brown doesn't win his next fight, no matter who it's against, we have to cut him. I know that his losses are to Cain Velasquez, Fabricio Vicavala Verdum, and then the Black Beast, but his wins are against Mitrione and Schaub. Like, Schaub is retired. Mitrione is in Bellator. Uh, Weezing 336. Oh, yeah. And then what's next for Derek Lewis? I think Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. Should be what's next, Pavi. I don't think Brown deserves Francis Ngannou. I think that, you know, a, a three-fight losing streak for Travis Brown, Francis Ngannou deserves better. He deserves better treatment than that. Weezing336 said Todd Grisham had signed with – he didn't know that Todd Grisham had signed with the UFC. He's a pro wrestling guy. I didn't know him, but honestly, he wasn't awful tonight, but I don't personally like the pitch of his voice. I knew that the – Weezing, the UFC signed him to be in the booth. So, like, in the broadcast booth when they cut to, like, and now we're going to go to the studio and talk to Karen Bryant or whatever. They signed him when they fired Mike Goldberg to fill that position. I didn't realize they were going to put him in tonight aside Brian Stan. <clears throat> but I don't really like Todd Grisham. He said some nice things tonight. Um, he said some things that made him seem like a casual fight fan. Maybe that was him catering to the casual fight fan, but also I just don't like the tone of his voice, the pitch of his voice. It's too high-pitched. It's like a higher-pitched Jimmy Smith. And and I didn't personally enjoy it, but he didn't say anything. Like, here, if, if he were bad, if he were to say anything that was blatantly hilarious or 
awful. We would be talking about that right now in the post-fight show. And I can't remember anything blatantly bad that he said. I did like that he said some comments about Muay Thai and how Muay Thai is Muay Thai kickboxing boxing is scored. They like kicks better than punches, so they score kicks higher than punches, especially leg kicks are scored high. So I like that piece of information. He's bringing something new to the table, and I kind of like that. But I just don't enjoy the pitch of his voice. Um, maybe because it's not familiar. I could get used to it, though. So I'm going to give him another try and, and before I start talking smack about him on Twitter. Blue Realms. Brew Realms. I don't know how to say that word, bro. But anyway, I think Derek Lewis was faking the kick to the stomach so he could catch Brown's chin early. I thought that initially, too. I thought he was baiting him in. You, you've seen that highlight where somebody did that way back in the day, right? They fake a, they fake the hurt to the body. The guy comes in to try to finish, and then they just counter him right away. I thought that initially, but he kept holding it the whole time, and then he was holding it in the post-fight, and then he laid on the ground for a long time after the fight was over. So, obviously, he was legitimately hurt to the body, but initially, I agree with you. It did seem like he was faking it for a second. Let's move down and talk about Johnny Big Rig Hendricks versus Hector Lombard. Um, this wasn't that much of an exciting fight. Johnny Hendricks won 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. But there were some things that I really enjoyed in this fight. Something that you probably noticed at the beginning of round number two, at least, where Johnny was faking level changes and Hector Lombard was reacting severely to it every time Hector would bring his head down noticeably and like a lot you know not not just like a slight like reaction he would really really like look for that sprawl and johnny was just throwing a feint out so then johnny started throwing that fake and then coming upstairs with a knee and he probably i know i'm exaggerating i'm giving up too many numbers that are probably not legitimate but like 10 times johnny landed that on hector and that could have been the story of this fight another story was that johnny looked he didn't look, you know, he didn't look great. He didn't seem to have the same power in his left hand, but he seemed to have a lot of gas left in the third round where we knew Hector would not have gas left in that third round. And Johnny was landing a left hook over and over on Hector. Hector holds his hands really low, doesn't have very good uh, head movement or footwork, and was just kind of standing stationary. And Johnny was able to capitalize in a lot of areas. And one thing that I love was seeing a jovial and a jubilant Johnny Hendricks after the fight was over. You know, it wasn't like, a very decisive victory. It wasn't really that impressive of a victory, especially because Hector Lombard is really a welterweight himself. So Johnny didn't really beat a middleweight in his middleweight debut. He beat a fellow welterweight who struggles to make welterweight. Johnny's going to have the shortest reach of anybody in the middleweight division going forward. So I don't know about the prospects of Johnny actually getting a victory against a legitimate middleweight, uh, but it was nice to see him get a victory. I don't have high hopes for him down the road because guys in the comments tell me name one middleweight fighter who you think johnny could be a legitimate one sayed umair said that gsp versus hendrix could be a possible fight at middleweight and i actually love that i think i saw that happen johnny said that at the post fight press conference tonight and um yeah that's the one that i would like to see at middleweight because especially because the IV band, we're going to see some of these older guys that were at welterweight go to middleweight and that could be a thing. Um, but then we still don't know how Johnny's going to do against a legitimate middleweight. Then he's facing a guy who's already fought at 170 pounds, just at a different weight class. But as long as Johnny can make the way and keep a positive attitude, because I like this version of Johnny Hendricks, I liked him when he was knocking people out with that left hand. I want to see him stick around in the sport. I don't want to see him retire. So I wish him all the best. We're, Rewinding quickly to Travis Brown, 
because Pavy P wants to talk about it for a second. Travis should stop training with Edmund if he switches coaches. Um, he switched coaches and still got beat. Well, he was training with Edmund for this fight card or for this fight tonight, but like on and off. I think he needs to leave Edmund completely and like spend a year with a new training camp or go back to Jackson Wink and spend a year there before like taking a fight because uh, Luca Fury tweeted earlier that Edmund Tarverdian's record with like fighters that you know, so Shayna Baszler, Jake Ellenberger, Ronda Rousey, and even with Ronda Rousey in there, he's like 10. I could probably look it up. Oh, here it is. Baszler, 0 3 under Edmund. Clay Guida, 0 2 under Edmund. Jessamyn Duke, 1 5 under Edmund. Uh, Shafir. What's what's her first name? Anyway, one and two. Ellenberger two and five. Travis Brown two and five for a total of six and twenty-two. That's fucking awful. Like, how do the, these fighters that are there not see the writing on the wall? Get out of there. The guy is a cancer. The guy is a complete disease. Sayed Umer says Francis Ngannou versus the winner of Overeem versus Hunt. I love that. Do you honestly believe Derek Lewis could take out Hunt or Overeem? Yes, I do. And here's why. Overeem, his chin, I know we talk about this all the time with Overeem, but his chin is completely depleted. And if you put him in there in a five-round fight, because Derek Lewis, I think he has some drawing power, and so does Alistair Overeem, you could easily put those two in a main event fight. If you you put him in there for, the, for 25 minutes, how long until you think Derek Lewis connects with Alistair Overeem? And even if Reem were to win that fight, just the simple prospect of you and I talking about this, that that Lewis could touch Reem's chin and beat Alistair over Reem, that is enough to make the fight. The odds would be close, and I think it would be a legitimately good fight. And Mark Hunt, he does not seem like he wants to be here anymore. He's like 44 years old, so you got heavy hitter versus heavy hitter. Derek Lewis is going to have a reach advantage. He's going to have a size advantage. Yeah, man, I do think that he could beat either of those guys. Of course, they're going to be close because Derek Lewis doesn't have the greatest chin either. Obviously, tonight he was able to defend really well against Travis Brown's attacks, but but um, but yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about this car. So Gavin Tucker versus Sam Cecilia. Two things. Gavin Tucker looked incredible. Second thing, Sam Cecilia looked awful. So my question to myself is, did Sam look awful because Gavin looked great, or did Sam look did 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 Gavin look great because Sam looked awful? You know, two way street here. A little bit of it, I think, is that Sam Cecilia um, has. We're talking about Edmund Tarverdian being one of the worst coaches, or probably the worst coach in mixed martial arts. Well, Sam Cecilia trains with Sick Jitsu with Rick Little, who Rick Little doesn't believe in altitude. The fucking guy does not think the altitude affects his fighters. And did you hear what he said in between round two and three for Sam Cecilia? He just kept yelling, you fucking lost the first two rounds. You have to knock him out. You lost the first two rounds. You have to knock him out. And yeah, that is true. But how about you give him some technical advice, man, and not just yell at him like, you got to fucking be better. That's not... That's not how you do it. That's not how you get it done, Rick Little. Like, how about you give him some actual technical advice? So, in in short, what I'm thinking here is a little bit of why Gavin Tucker looked great tonight is because 
Sam Cecilia, one, he's on the decline. Two, he has an awful, awful coach. But to Gavin Tucker's praise, he did look awesome tonight. A lot of people were lotting out the compliment that he looked like a 145-pound version of Cody No Love Garbrandt. A little bit of that is because Gavin Tucker is covered with tattoos. But the other part of it was that he was able to, you know, use a lot of footwork. He did that shuffle dance like Cody Garbrandt did against Dominic Cruz, was able to get in and out, landing powerful shots on Sam Cecilia and so quickly that Sam couldn't counter effectively. Sam would be whiffing at air every single time Gavin Tucker dove in with a punch and was able to get back out. So Gavin did look great. I expect big things from him in the future, but we need to damper or hinder our expectations ever so slightly because we were talking about a dwindled uh, version of Sam Cecilia who has an awful, awful training camp. I'm moving down the card, Elias Teodoro versus Cesar Fajaya. Sayed Umer, I already said that I want Francis versus Derek Lewis, but I think that Francis is um, going, going to get a high-profile fight next. But, I mean, Derek Lewis is on the longest fight win, fight win streak in UFC's heavyweight division right now, so I don't see how we deny him something large. Elias Teodoro v. Cesar Vajaya, 30 27 29 28 29-28. The story of this was that Elias was doing some of what I just said about Gavin Tucker. He was able to get in and get out without receiving damage. Also, he had like the better cardio, the more output. He was the I saw some people say Safaya had like the hand speed advantage, but Elias Theodoro had like the entire body and movement speed advantage over Safaya. Uh, Cesar had Elias in some pretty dicey predicaments, but Elias showed really good submission defense with a rear naked choke and was able to reverse position quite a bit on Elias. And in the clinch fighting game, Cesar seemed to have a size advantage, but I think that Elias is like low center of gravity. He seems like he has short legs and like a little bit of a longer torso. Elias, his, short, his lower center of gravity really helped him press Cesar against the fence and get the better of him there. Moving down, catchweight fight, supposed to be in the ban- women's bantamweight division, but Sarah McMahon versus Gina Mazzani. Uh, Gina missed weight by 3.5 pounds and had no business being in there against Sarah McMahon. Sarah did what, you know, You the only thing that you could ask her to do, get this fight to the fucking ground and get a submission. And she did. Had 114 of round number one. Again, Gina did not deserve to be in there. Something positive that came out of this fight, other than McMahon looking great with this arm triangle choke victory afterwards she was giving gina mazzani a pep talk saying hey look 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 you came in on three weeks notice i'm just fucking good you'll get it next time don't don't cry little girl also sarah mcmahon called for a title shot and depending on who gets the title shot i mean i think that that would be she maybe deserves it let's look at what kind of win streak is she on she is on a three fight winning no well no no that's not the right sport but yes, she's on a three-fight winning streak after losing to Amanda Nunes. So if it were Shevchenko were to beat Amanda Nunes, then I could see giving Sarah McMahon a title shot. If it's Amanda Nunes, then I then I just don't really see it, but I don't know who else is going to get it. But nonetheless, pretty impressive performance from Sarah McMahon. Check the comments. Sorry, I got away, guys. Canada had a good night tonight. Yeah, they did have a good night tonight. It didn't start off good because Ryan Janes got submitted with an armbar at 134 of round number one against Gerald Mearshart. Let's talk about that fight real quick. 
it came out and it looked like Ryan James was pressing the action, was showing off some pretty good power and, and diversity with his striking ability, decided to go away from that, took the fight to the ground. He is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But Gerald Mearshart hit a super quick submission armbar off of his back. The, the quickness with which he switched his hips was pretty damn awesome. Brian, Brian Stan did a great job of breaking that down. So Ryan James had his hand behind Mearshart's head. And when he went to pull that out, Mearshart immediately switched his hips and snagged that wrist of Ryan James. And I looked like to me that uh, Mearshart caught Ryan James' forearm on, you know, like Mearshart's pelvic bone rather than the elbow. So he wasn't hyperextending the elbow. He was putting the pressure on the middle of James' forearm. And you saw that Ryan James had to verbally submit rather than tap out because he ne he needed to do it quickly because I feel like if he wouldn't have done it quickly enough, Mearshart was going to break that fucking forearm. It's something that we've seen before. Uh, Jack Ray Souza did it with Chris Camozzi in their second fight. So really impressive performance from Gerald Mearshart. I'm kind of sad that he didn't get performance bonuses. I forgot to give the performance bonuses out at the beginning. Um, I should, I'll find them real quick. Before I find them, the ones that I would give out, I would give Travis Brown versus Derek Lewis fight of the night and then Derek Lewis performance bonus. So there's three of our bonuses right there, so I only have one more to give out, and I would have given it to probably Tiago Santos over Jack Marshman. There were a lot of people picking Jack Marshman to win, and then Tiago hit Marshman with a spinning heel kick and punches at 221 of round number two. Super impressive performance from Tiago Santos. And quickly, I'm trying to stall. I need to look at the actual actual bonuses. Performance bonuses go to Tiago Santos and Paul Felder. Paul Felder for stepping in fucking vicious forearm shiver elbow to Alessandro Ricci's nose. That made Ricci's nose look worse than mine. Who really fucked it up. And then Lewis Brown as fight of the night. Let's see. What else do we need to talk about? My grade, there's, there's not terrible much that we need to talk about other than that. So Alessandro Ricci, I said before the fight that he was like similar to Paul Felder in his striking ability, but Paul Felder is like one notch better. And that was true. It almost felt like Ricci didn't deserve to be in there with him. And, you know, Ricci, he's like 10 and 5 now, maybe 9 and 4, something like that. Not too many fights in his mixed martial arts career. But the thing of it is he's kind of older, so we got a late start to this. And he also was a, like a late entrance in his mixed martial arts career to the UFC uh, so I don't think we'll see him fight in the UFC again unless they're going to save him for another Canada card. But I don't think that he really – I mean, hindsight, it didn't look like he deserved to be in there with Paul Felder. Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Nordin Taleb. Early on, Taleb was doing well with rangier strikes against Ponzinibbio. Round number one, it seemed like Ponzinibbio was having trouble closing the distance and, and then trying to get off of his, his uh, more vicious strikes on Taleb because Taleb was using kicks – pretty well. Ponzinibbio doesn't throw too many kicks. And then Taleb is a little bit lengthier because he throws the straighter shots. But Ponzinibbio was able to get his jab honed in and was really fucking up T Taleb's nose in the second and third round. And he almost finished Taleb in round number two. Solid performance from Santiago Ponzinibbio. He's a guy who's always going to be exciting to watch. And that fight was pretty damn fun, even though it went to decision. So sometimes when you look at cards and you look that there were a lot of fights that went to a decision. You think that they weren't that great, but 
fights like Carla Esparza versus Random Marcos, that wasn't great. Don't get me wrong, but it was better than I expected it to be. A Zahabi versus Reginaldo Vieira was better than than it looks on paper. Santiago versus Taleb was better than it looks on paper. Random Marcos versus Carla Esparza. I thought that Carla won basically with some wrestling, a little bit of ground and pound, but I I don't know. Randa was able to get Carla in those uh, like inverted crucifix and control Carla a lot there and then land those. I thought they were illegal shots, but nonetheless. Eamon Zahabi, Reginaldo Vieira. Zahabi was trying to pull off some Yoel Romero type of fucking game plan here. He would just use like forward pressure to get a reaction and then, you know, back out using some good head movement and footwork to avoid the shots of Vieira and then Zahabi, he did get taken down a few times, but he got right back to his feet. But Zahabi wouldn't, like, explode and put out offense until the last minute of each round. And I think that they should hone that in. Maybe they were trying to get Vieira tired, and then he could really get off with some power. And Zahabi is a deceptively powerful man. But in round number two, at the very end, I think within the last 30 seconds is really where he turned the volume on. He rocked Vieira, where Vieira had been winning the round prior to that. Got Vieira on the ground, was looking to finish, but the end of the round happened. So round number two, um, a lot of people were split on how they scored that round. I gave it to Zahabi because I think if you're saved by the bell in any round, you have to lose that round. Up until that point, Vieira was winning, but then Zahabi almost finished him at the very end of round number two. You got to give that round to Zahabi, I think. And then... Three, um, Vieira was visibly tired and Zahabi was able to get off on more volume but didn't hurt Vieira as much in that round. And that brings us to the end of the card. The overall grade that I would give for this card would be probably a B-. It was better than I expected it to be. And it was better than a lot of people were talking about prior to the event. Tons and tons of people were throwing shade at this event because, well, here's... I gave out some reasons not to watch the card. One, there was only four. There, there were only four fighters on the card that were ranked in the top 15 of any division. Two, it's on a Sunday. It's currently 12:30 my time, so it's super late. And if you have to do stuff tomorrow, it's kind of shitty to stay up this late. Three, it's on Fox Sports One, and we all know Fox Sports One pacing sucks. Uh, there were a lot of decisions, so that kind of saved us from that a little bit. Um, but. It delivered a lot better than I thought it would deliver. The back-and-forth nature of the main event was fun. The fun finish, the fun interview from Derek Lewis. Uh, Gavin Tucker, this this new guy, this debutante, showing out like a motherfucking magician. You know, that's, that's fun stuff, and that's a reason to give the card a little bit better grade. Uh, Johnny Hendricks, Hector Lombard, it, again, it wasn't that exciting, but I enjoyed it. Overall, I'd give the card a B-. But that's about it. All right, one more question before I'm going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate all of you for the time that you've given me here tonight and today. If you're listening to the podcast version, the last question we're going to answer on the podcast is Syed Umer, what do I think of Woodley versus Thompson? I picked Thompson the first time. And I'm picking Thompson the second time. The reason for that is all of the reasons that I said the first time. He's more diverse with the striking. He should be able to keep the distance better. Um. Woodley, even though he does have like a really powerful one trick, he's kind of, he's not a one trick pony, but we know his one incredible, incredibly powerful offensive weapon that he's just going, that's, that's how he could get this victory here. We saw how Thompson adapted in their first fight where Woodley 
was catching the kicks from Thompson and was taking Thompson down and getting some really wicked ground and pound. I think that Thompson adapted really well in that fight by switching from the kicks to the boxing mostly. I think that he's going to do that again in the second fight. But but this time too, where Woodley was circling super close to the cage like he always does, his back super close to the cage, Thompson was obliging him and fighting him in that area. So he would attack and then that's what Woodley wants to do is explode off the cage. All Thompson has to do is force Woodley to come to the center of the octagon and only use boxing. And, and it's more, way s- simpler said than done, of course, but that's how I think it's going to go down here. I think that Thompson's going to utilize some really good fight IQ, force Woodley to come to the center of the octagon, not throw too many kicks, and get the better of Woodley in the boxing exchanges. Yes, Woodley does have the power advantage, but... Thompson has the length advantage, and he has the diversity and the strikes that he's going to throw even just with his hands. He has that advantage. And I'm going to pick Stephen Wonderboy Thompson via decision. Again, man, I scored the first fight a draw, but the, if you just talk about who won rounds and not talk about 10-8, in order for it to be a draw, that means that Thompson won three out of five rounds. Yes, Woodley did do more damage, but I think that Thompson will be able to once again win more rounds but of course there's always Woodley's power advantage and that could happen but I'm sticking with Thompson I thought he was going to win the first one I think he will win he will he will red in the rematch sorry got a little flubbed up there I think that Stephen Thompson will win the rematch once again guys if you haven't already please give the video a thumbs up if you're listening to the podcast version please give this podcast a rating from one to five stars I don't give a shit what you give it just Give it something and then tell me why you gave it that. You can follow me on Twitter at Flying Brian J. Please like my Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash Flying Brian Show. If you like beer or craft beer, please consider subscribing to my beer focused YouTube channel, which is beer.flyingbrianshow.com. Thank you all so much once again for joining me. I'm going to go to sleep now. Got to get up early tomorrow. It is Sunday night at 12 30, and I'll see you. On the week of UFC 209, I won't see you next week. So in two weeks from now, I'll be doing my preview and prediction videos for Woodley Thompson, where I'll basically say the exact fucking same thing I just said. And I will also do a preview prediction video for Habib the Eagle versus Tony Okukui. Spoiler alert, I'm picking Habib the Eagle. But yeah, look out for all that stuff, guys. Thank you so much once again for hanging out. I'll see you next week. Two weeks. Namaste. Namaste.